we have reached in our journey through Acts when Paul comes to Corinth. If you look in your Bibles as you look at these chapters, particularly chapters 17 and 18, there are little headings there. It says, very in Thessalonica, in Berea, in Athens, in Corinth. And of course, these words weren't there originally in the, the words that uh, Luke wrote. Someone has added in these headings. Not particularly inspirational, are they? <laughs> They're accurate. It's telling what was going on there. But I don't think the writer who put in these headings would get a job as a, a tabloid newspaper editor, would he? I think when we come to Corinth, perhaps we could say something like this. The gospel comes to Sin City. That's how the tabloids would put it. But I think that's quite accurate. That was the type of place that Corinth was. Up the road, about 90 miles from Athens, a major trading city in Greece. It was a place where people passed through. There were sailors, there was merchants, there was anonymity. People didn't know who you were. And so that led to all sorts of immorality. It was a huge place by any standards, particularly of these days. It had a population of about 750,000 compared to Athens, which was 10,000. A great immoral place. I'm told there was about a thousand temple prostitutes went round the streets at night. Just outside the city was a great temple to Venus, the goddess of love. And to be called a Corinthian was meant you were an immoral person. That was an insult. If somebody was called a Corinthian and didn't actually come from Corinth, it would be regarded as an insult. How would you feel about going to a place like that to live and to preach the gospel? To be a missionary in Sin City? Paul, the Apostle Paul, was frightened and unsure what to do. That's not like the Paul we know, is it? That's not like Paul who stood up before hostile crowds, the one who was beaten, they'd been in prison. But here we find Paul fearful. Later, in fact, when he was writing back to the church in Corinth, the little church that he formed there, he said, I came in weakness and fear and much trembling. Paul had been thrown out of Thessalonica, had been in prison in Philippi. He'd been largely rejected in Athens. But now he was facing the biggest challenge of his Christian ministry in Corinth. We sometimes can be frightened, can't we, and daunted by the prospect of taking the gospel to our people, demonstrating the Christian way of life in our society. Andrew, when he was talking last week about Athens, was saying that the people of Athens were similar to the people of today in the way that they thought. But when we get to Corinth, it was also their behavior and their practices that were similar to us. It was a notoriously immoral place. In Isla here, we are fairly sheltered. 
from the extreme behaviours and attitudes of our society. But even here, we live in a society that's often far away from the Christian way of life. In the rest of our country, morals, attitudes and behaviours of many people would shock us. We wouldn't be able to almost understand it. We would not understand the whole dating and relationship culture that exists. And we find that we it's so difficult to communicate with people whose priorities and ways of life are so different from our own. Can we do anything? Should we give up? Just live in our little bubble here and enjoy our own Christian life. Paul could have bypassed Corinth. But instead, he made a decision to prioritize it. And, to dis- and he decided, in fact, to stay there much longer than was normal. In fact, as, as you've gone through in, in the, all these places of Thessalonica and Philippi, he just stayed for a few weeks, three weeks, sometimes in places, and then moved on. But here it was different. Paul was facing the biggest challenge of his Christian ministry. And remarkably, a church was established in Corinth. A church in Sin City. God had worked in a a marvellous way. Again, Paul was able to write back just a couple of years later to now a strong church in Corinth. A church with its problems, yes, but a church that was there. And he reminded them what they were like, these people in the church, before he heard the gospel. He said, do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And he said, and that is what some of you were. That's the type of people you were. But he's saying now, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. A church was formed out of these type of people because Paul went and preached the gospel faithfully. But as coming back to his time starting at Corinth, he finds himself alone in this vast immoral city with no money. So his first task in entering Corinth was to find work and, logic, uh, and lodgings. We don't really tend to think about that when we're talking about in Berea, in Athens, and all these things. We don't think of the practical things of going around and preaching there. But these early missionaries had to deal with that as they moved around to preach the gospel. But here in Corinth, God had a plan for Paul. He'd organised provision for him. God had prepared two people, a husband and wife, who were business people in the same trade as Paul. They were tent makers. Aquila and Priscilla had come from Corinth, to Corinth from Rome at a time when the, there had been trouble in Rome and uh, Claudius had banished all Jews from Rome. He had fallen out with them. And it appears that Aquila and Priscilla had already become believers when they met Paul in Corinth and they had to leave Paul, leave Rome when Claudius made this edict because of course they were Christians but they were Jewish Christians 
So they were still under that uh, edict to leave. But once again, we see God at work in the circumstances. God was working in one place through doors that were closed. In other places, doors were opening. They were closed in Rome, which meant they were opening in Corinth. Another example of God manipulating dictators and rulers and emperors for his purposes. As usual, when Paul arrived in Corinth, he went to his own people in the Jewish synagogue. But here in Corinth, the Jews violently rejected him and opposed his message. Verse 6 says there they became abusive. It was actually there they were saying that they became blasphemous because they believed that anyone who died in a tree and a curse uh, would be cursed of God and therefore from the devil. And they, they accused Paul of seducing and misleading the people when he was preached as a Messiah. So Paul was violently rejected by them. But whenever his message was refused in the synagogue, Paul turned to the Gentiles, and that's what he does here. <laughs> this time he moved next door, <laughs> from the synagogue to the house next door, to a, a God-fearing man there. And Paul continues his ministry. But he needed help and encouragement to carry on. I think it was at that point God intervened in several important ways to encourage Paul in this difficult task that he'd been given in Corinth. And he encouraged them by, first of all, sending Silas and Timothy. If you remember back um, when Paul had left in Berea, when Paul had to escape at night, he had left them there. So they met up again here. And Christian fellowship is important to encourage each other. God was providing helpers with Paul to help him share his work. And at this time on Isla, when, when we're restricted in the places and the times that we can meet, in fact, it's shown us how important fellowship is. And we need to continue to encourage one another as we can, even with phone calls and meeting together when we can. We must make every effort to encourage one another at this time. Paul needed it here. Perhaps others need it at this time here in Isla. And perhaps you can do that. And God helped uh, Paul financially. It's probable that Silas and Timothy brought gifts from the church at Philippi, which enabled Paul to give up his day job, as it were, uh, of tent making and to spend all of his time teaching and preaching and evangelizing. So we've seen God's provision here again to maintain the ministry. And we've seen that here on Isla too. Even at this time, many of you have contributed to the ongoing work here. It's, it's, it's necessary and also encourages each other as we see people giving, sometimes sacrificially, in order that the work of God is maintained in this place. And God blessed the missionary activity that was there. The leader of a synagogue and possibly his successor became Christians. Even although people had rejected the gospel, some believed. And that must have encouraged Paul 
And we too have been encouraged, even during this time of lockdown, at this time of restriction, when some of our young people have responded to the gospel. We're encouraged, and it helps us to continue in our work with hope. And God also spoke to Paul in some quite specific ways. Verse 9 says, Don't be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because there are many people in this city. Do not be afraid. God said this because Paul was afraid, with a task that was put in front of them. And that's the thing that God says to most people whom he calls to do some work. If you go back through the Bible, it's the thing that it's the command that's given by God more than any other in the Bible. Do not be afraid. It was given, if you look to amongst others, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Daniel, to Mary, to Peter. They were all given <clears throat> difficult tasks to do. And they were all said, told, do not be afraid. By saying that, He's saying it's all about trust. Trust me, I have a plan, says God. And we can take that promise to heart and trust God for the future, for the tasks that he has for us. Because he says, keep on speaking. Do not be silent. I heard this story, which I thought illustrated this quite nicely. A man was shoveling snow from his driveway when two boys carrying snow shovels approached him. Shovel your snow, mister, one of them said. Only two pounds. The man was a bit puzzled. He said, can't you see I'm doing it myself? Sure, said the enterprising lad. That's why we are asking. We get most of our business from people who are halfway through and feel like quitting. <laughs> That's true, isn't it? Paul was being told, you're halfway through. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. We must never give up. We must keep on speaking and not be silent. And then he told Paul, I am with you. It's an echo of the words, the last words that Jesus gave to his disciples. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And here he was re-emphasizing these words again to Paul. Paul needed rem reminding that the promise that he got as he started the work would continue. He knew that he'd been sent by God to Corinth. He knew that he was incapable of doing it on his own. But God said to him, I am with you. And it's good to know that that promise still stands for us today. We've been given the promise of the Holy Spirit to be our helper, to be our companion and to lead our Christian lives and our own community and to keep on speaking and not be silent. And he was told no one is going to attack 
and harm you. And Paul found that in Corinth, the law courts were there to protect the Christians. God is in control of all things and uses them for his purposes. That was set a precedent that the Christians were able to hold on to in the future. That particular promise to, was given to Paul in that particular situation. We can't say that we'll never be attacked or harmed. We hope that these things will not happen. But we know that that promise that he's with us is still true. And he will promise to give us grace for every situation in which he's placed us. And then he told Paul, I have many people in this city. Paul didn't know who these people were. It was Paul's responsibility to preach to everyone in the city. It was God's responsibility to save sinners. But God had plans to build his church in Corinth. Among those who followed were some of the synagogue leaders. Many more were to follow in Corinth. But at the moment, these people are still in the temples and the brothels and in their sin, far away from God. But as we said earlier, in less than two years, Paul would write back to what was then a, now a large church and a powerful church, reminding them of what they had been like in the past. But now they were washed and justified. And so God had his people there that he was selecting and bringing out of that immoral place to build up a church. And so when Paul received that message from the Lord, we read, So Paul stayed for a year and a half preaching the word of God. Before that, Paul had moved from place to place week by week, but when God had given them these promises, he changed these tactics and stayed on. And many people believed and came to know Jesus Christ. It was such a turning point that his missionary strategy really changed after that. From that point on, if we, next week I'm sure we'll go on, we'll be looking at Ephesus, where he stayed for two years and then he was in Caesarea in prison for two years and eventually went to Rome where he was there for several years. Paul was faithful in his calling to go to Corinth. We can't take a text like this and the promises it contains and, and simply transfer it to ourselves as if God is saying identical things to us. But we can assume we can't assume that no one will ever attack us or no one will harm us. But we do know that God has plans for us and he's placed us in this particular situation. He's placed us here on Isla and he has a work for us to do here. And for that very reason we should be encouraged and stay on and do it to the best of our ability. It's not because he does not have many people in our neighbourhoods or cities. It's because he does. He knows them. But we must continually to bring the gospel to them. Our job is to keep on keeping on, presenting the gospel as we're given opportunity, knowing that God is with us. God will be with us in, in danger 
and an opportunity. God was with Paul in Corinth and he'll be with us on Isla. God will be with us yesterday, today and forever. May God help us to fulfill our mission and the place where God has placed us.